We've been covering on disruptors now for a number of weeks. This radical idea that there are people that have the ability, the anointing, the wherewithal, the acumen, the fortitude to shift things towards righteousness and justice. Disruptors. Disruptors are a peculiar group of people. Disruptors are usually, well, maybe not even usually, disruptors are, are misunderstood. Because you walk in and you're not satisfied with the status quo. And anything that does not line up with God's purpose, destiny, or plan, you will not tolerate it. You come against it. You're a disruptor. If things are not right with your family, you're the kind of person that won't let go until things turn around in your favor. If things are not right in your health, in your purpose, in your dream, you're not going to let go and just acquiesce and accommodate the circumstances. You're going to push back. You're, 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 you're the quintessential fighter. You, you never give up. You're full of resilience and perseverance. Disruptors. We began outlining the life of this man named David who was a shepherd boy who would subsequently become the king of Israel. David. David disrupted the system. He walked into a very interesting scenario. There was the, 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 Israelite, the Israelite army was fighting against the Philistine army. The Philistine army was represented by a giant named Goliath. This tall man, approximately nine feet tall. David appears. We talked about serving and his narrative and what he laid into someone else's care. But today's portion is pretty powerful. David appears, this disruptor named David. I want you to look at this picture with me. He shows up in the scene. The Israeli army is right here, the Israelites. Over there are the Philistines. In front of the Philistines, there is this giant named Goliath. The, Israel, the moment David shows up, this is what he hears. Ah! The war cry. He shows up and his team is doing the war cry. The war cry is known as the battle cry. Back in the day and even today in certain nations, when you go into battle, particularly in the infantry, you shout, you yell. And the reason you shout and yell is for two purposes. One, to confuse your enemy. The moment, the reason you shout is to, in such a decibel level, in, in such a very vociferous manner, is for your enemy not to be able to communicate with one another. Because if you're shouting, then your enemy, if there's so much noise, your enemy's going to have a hard time understanding what they're communicating to one another. That's why we shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Psalm 47 verse 1. So he heard the war cry, watch this. They were shouting, and they were shouting. The second reason they shout is to show the enemy we're not afraid of you, Right? We're shouting, we're not afraid. We're, so they were, ah! So David shows up. 1 Samuel 17, 20. He shows up. And the first thing he's introduced to is a war cry. Shouting the war cry. Isn't that great? He shows up and his team is ready. Woohoo! Yeah! Four verses later. 1 Samuel 17, 24. It's no longer the war cry. Four verses later, the Bible says that they were fleeing out of fear. And they, the Israelites that shouted ran in fear. Here it is. They fled from him in great fear. You missed it. They shouted one moment. Ah! The moment Goliath showed up. Goliath broke out of the ranks and showed up. The same people that were going, ah! Ah! They were like, ah, ah. I'm out. I'll see you. I'm out of here. I'm just gone. That's what they did. They shouted one moment and they fled the next. So I want to speak to all the people that shout on Sunday. 
Disruptors need disruptors are people that can back up their shout. What does that mean? It's easy to shout on Sunday. What, one moment they shouted, the next moment they ran. One moment they were shouting the war cry, the next moment they were crying because of fear. You, you need to make up your mind. You can't shout one moment and flee the next. You can't shout unto God with the voice of victory and act defeated Monday through Saturday. I'm going to preach to everybody here who shouts on Sunday. If you shout on, don't get loud on Sunday. If you're going to permit the problems to put you on mute Monday through Saturday. God is looking for an army of people who can shout on Sunday, but they likewise know that that shout will lead them to rebuke the devil Monday through Saturday. Are you with me? We need people that can back up their shout. Are you willing to back up your shout? Are you willing to back up your praise? Is there something behind your hallelujah? Yeah, I know you raise your hallelujah. But, but are you able to raise that hallelujah Monday through Saturday? Are you able to back it up? There's one thing coming in here and going, woohoo, that's great. And we want you to shout unto God with the voice of faith. We want you to be animated and praise God of all you have. But Monday through Saturday, don't you shout here and then hide. You, you can't shout today and hide tomorrow. You can't praise God today and, and flee tomorrow. No, if you're going to shout on Sunday, get ready to kick the devil out of your family Monday through Saturday. Get ready to fight for your dream and fight for your destiny. Are you? God is looking for that continuity in your worship and in your praise. It must be aligned. So if you're shouting, I need you to get ready. Because your shout should convey a message. Your shout shouldn't be a temporal example or exhibition of emotional exuberance for a moment because you're caught up in the hype of the hysteria. No. You're shouting because your shout says, Ah, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world my shout says therefore now there is no condemnation my shout says who oh, you come against me one way but in seven you will flee your shout should be backed up with your actions shout so if you're going to shout on Sunday be willing to fight Monday through Saturday be willing to back it up with a prayer life be willing to back it up with a testimony are you with me? All they had was a shout, and then they fled. Oh, man, not in this house. I want you to look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I can back up my shout. <laughs> tell your other neighbor who's telling you not to touch him. Tell that neighbor, neighbor, I can back up my shout. Tell somebody around you, this is not hype, baby. This is not emotionalism, baby. You don't know what I overcame this year. You don't know how many devils I cast out this year. You don't know how many demons I kicked out of this year. You don't know how many things showed up to mess me up and I cast them out in the name of... You don't know what I've been through this year. You don't know what I've been through in the past few years. I, you know why I shout? My shout is a testimony. My shout is a praise. My shout is my hallmark. My shout is my signature. My shout is my moniker are there any shouters in the house here who know you shout you shout you shout and then you shouted and then here comes the heart of the message this is I was just the appetizer 
Because this is the heart of the message. So he heard them shout, and then they left, and he's going like, what? Now, this is David going like, this is David. Are you kidding me? Then he asked, verse 26. The questions here, this should be a book. Because this right here is just unbelievable. This is, so he goes around, he's, and he's, some of them are fleeing. They're panicking. They're full of fear. And David comes along, and he begins to ask questions. Hard questions. Because disruptors are not afraid to ask the hard questions. If you're the kind of person who's always asking questions and, and you get on people's nerves. Do you know of anyone around you who likes to ask hard questions? Disruptors are not afraid to ask hard questions. They're about to fight this champion. They're afraid. They're full of fear, and David wants to ask questions. He shows up. He sees the war. There's a lack of continuity between the shout and the action and their posture. So David starts asking questions. Question number one in chronological order. 1 Samuel 17, 26. I'm going to give it to you. Three questions you should be asking before this year is over. That's why you're here. Everyone's streaming around the world right now. Here are the three questions you should be asking. Question number one, he goes. Watch this. Totally unorthodox. Out of the box. First question, the first question. He looks at Goliath. He looks at his people panicking. Some of them ran away. And he, this is the first question. Does this make any sense? His first, look at David. David's first question. How much am I going to get when I knock him down? I'm not making it up. The people go, what? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I know I'm going to knock him down. I'm going to defeat this guy. So I'm, what's my reward? Read it. The, what? Yeah, what's my reward? What's your what? What's my reward? I want to know how much I'm going to get when I knock this guy down. Some of you, this is before he picked up the stones. I'm preaching now. This is before he got that one stone that knocked him down. This is before Saul tried to put his armor on him. This is before he said the famous line, you come against me with a sword and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God. Amen. Before all of that, he was already asking, how much am I going to get? What is my reward? Some of you right now, before you even pick up your stone, let me remind you, let me remind you from last week and the week before that, if God permits a Goliath to come your way, it's only to activate the David inside of you. So I'm here to tell you right now, you should be asking, some of you should be asking, what's my reward? No, that's called being prophetic. You're not even, you don't even have the stones. You don't even have the sword yet. And you're asking, what's my reward? Some of you are facing Goliaths right now. That Goliath is still standing in your way. You shouldn't be going, Lord, I hope you give me the power. Oh, Lord, oh, baby, Jesus, help me. No, stop praying like that. You need to open up your mouth and prophesy and say, what's my reward? I'm about to give. God's about to reward you for every devil you faced this year, for every Goliath that came against you, for everything that stood in your way to rob, kill, and destroy. Somebody ask, what's my reward? Is that biblical? Is it legal? Was David motivated by righteous indignation? Indeed. Was he motivated by his love and jealousy for God? Absolutely. But he was likewise motivated by a reward. Is a reward biblical? James chapter 1 and verse 12. 
Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Matthew 5, 12, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Revelation 22, 12, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay everyone for what he has done. Jesus said, for everyone who has given up their family, whoo, their riches, well, for everyone who has sacrificed for me, though Jesus said, I tell you that in this lifetime, I will reward you a hundredfold. Oh, you're about to get this in a second. The greatest reward you can receive is eternal life through Jesus. I said the greatest reward is eternal life. The greatest reward is the fact that you have eternity guaranteed, new life and abundant life. That's the greatest reward, vertical. But in this life, Jesus said, I'm going to reward you in this life, not just in the next life, but in this life, I'm going to reward you. So ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't fought a Goliath this year, please, this is not for you. If a giant hasn't showed up to rob, kill, or destroy, then this is not for you. If nothing came up this year to try to take away your joy and your peace, this is not for you. But if you face some giants this year, I need you to put a Colgate smile right now. And instead of asking other questions, I need you to open up your mouth and ask, where's my reward? Is there anybody here to be rewarded for is there anybody here ready to get rewarded for holding on when others let go? Is there anybody here to get ready to be rewarded for you kept on going when others turned back? If you're ready for your reward, raise your hands. If you're ready for your family to be rewarded, raise both hands. If your reward will not be denied, raise both hands and a foot. With your hands lifted up. If you're ready to be rewarded for the private battles and the public battles. If you're ready to be rewarded. For the things that came against you. In the darkest hour at your most vulnerable moment. And those things assumed they would take you out. And yet it's the month of December and you're still here. No, you're not hearing me. No, if you I feel the Holy Ghost as I tell you. You're, you're still here. No, you missed it. Pastor Sam, but I'm wounded, but you're still here. Pastor Sam, but I'm broken, but you're still here. Pastor Sam, but I'm not right. No, but you're still here. You're about to be made right by the grace of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb. Are you with me? Is there anybody here ready for their reward? Are you ready? Ready for your reward? The audacity, the audacity of this man to go, what's my reward, man? Are you kidding me? That's your first question? Yeah, it is. I have a second question to read it. I'm not making this up. First Samuel 7, 26. The second question to me is even greater than the first one. The second, then David goes, yeah, what's my reward? And then he looks at Goliath and goes like, I have a second question for you all. Who does he think he is? You missed it. Once you know 
that you're going to get rewarded. Because you'll never receive what you're not expecting. You need to be expecting the reward. Oh, by the way, back to the reward thing. I don't know why I'm harboring on this moment through the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to do it. I expect for everything I went through this year, I expect for my entire family, aunts, uncles, cousins, nephews to be saved, delivered, healed, filled with the Holy Spirit. No, you're missing it. I expect breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. I don't expect just to produce one movie. I expect to produce two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve movies that lift up the name of Jesus and exalt and magnify the grace-filled work of Christ. Are you with me? For every time the devil showed up to try to take away my joy and my peace, I am I'm expecting that 2020 will be the year of the reward in Jesus' name. How many come in agreement for your life that 2020 will be the year of the great reward? This is it. He goes, question number two you should be asking is, so I'm going to put this in layman's terms. The first question is, what will be the positive outcome, the return on investment, the reward, the compensation for me pursuing righteousness, for me doing the will of God and living in the way of God and the word of God? What's my reward? Your reward is unprecedented favor and blessings. Your reward is God takes you from glory to glory. Your reward is Ephesians 3.20 That whatever you imagine or think God says I'm going to do exceedingly abundantly above all Anything or everything you could ever imagine or ask for Your reward is your entire family being saved Are you with me right now? So you need to be ready Your reward is just so, But the second question Who does he think he is? You need to look at the enemy that stands before who do, you, who do you think? Have you ever seen somebody do something so ludicrous? That made no sense that you went like, who do you? Have you ever confronted someone who crossed the line that stepped into your territory or disrespected you like they thought they had authority? And all of a sudden you were like, who do you think you are? I remember when I was a kid growing up with my two sisters because I'm the youngest. And my two sisters, they were, they were older and we would either fight or play. It's the kind of relationship we had. And it, in the plane, it was always one thing. Back in the day growing up with them, it was always Charlie's Angels. And, and I was always Bosley. Which wasn't right. Because Bosley never did anything significant. But, but when we would fight, when we would fight, and I would raise my voice, and I'm the youngest one, my sisters would go like, Who do you think you are? And my, my sister had that, that straight line, you're not my father. <laughs> David looks at Goliath and asks, him, who does he think he is? We need to look at that lying devil that's occupying your space and say that, who do you think you are? Who gives you the authority to come into my house? Who gives you the right to touch my family? How dare you get even close to what belongs to me when all of me is covered by the blood of Jesus and filled by the Holy Spirit of Almighty God? Who do you think you are? You need to remind the enemy who he is. Instead of second-guessing yourself, instead of asking, why is God permitting this? Oh, maybe I'm not who I think. I thought I was in Christ. I'm so confused. Why would God? You start to ask questions about yourself when you should be asking questions. Who do you think you are? 
Don't you understand what Colossians 2.15 already says? You've already been defeated. Jesus triumphed over you publicly. He made a public spectacle of you. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public, public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Hey, devil, I'm here to remind you. I'm, in fact, let me tell I'm not, I'm, who do you think you are? Let me tell you who you are. You are already defeated in the name of Jesus. Jesus. you're not going to be defeated hey don't drink the kool-aid the devil's not going to be defeated the devil's not going to lose one day the devil one day is not going to be no the devil's already defeated in the name of Jesus by the authority of the Word of God we are fighting a defeated foe who do you think you are who do you think you are who does he think he is? Who does the enemy think he is that he can come into your family and disrupt your peace? Who does the enemy think he is that he can disrupt your life? No, you're the disruptor. You tell him, and even if he tells you, I'm the prince of darkness, you tell him, but the prince of darkness is underneath the king of kings. Who does he think he is? To be able to mess with your mind. Are you with me right now? Who does he think he is to be able to mess with your health and your destiny and your dream? I need you to act like David. I wish I had a church full of Davids today that would, that would stand up and say, hold on a second. First of all, I'm going to get my reward. Number two, I'm here to tell the enemy who he really is. He is a defeated foe. He is underneath our feet. And embedded in that secondary question, if you do the Hebrew exeget of the passage, you could easily extrapolate an embedded truth that he's asking his, the people around him. David is asking, in essence, to the people around him, why are you tolerating him? Why are you tolerating him? Why are you tolerating him? So I have a question for you. What did you tolerate this year? What did you tolerate in your life that you had the authority to rebuke? What did you tolerate? What did you permit in your life? I'm not even going to ask you to give me the list. Did you tolerate or permit relationships, ideas, constructs, actions, behaviors that do not line up with the purpose and the will of God? Did you not tolerate it? What is it? What is it? What is it? Somebody's, somebody's I'm going crazy this year. This year drove me crazy. We'll tell you things that drive you crazy. Unbelief drives you crazy. When you no longer believe what you used to believe, guilt drives you crazy. Because you did something that you know does not line up with the will of God. And with the word of God and the spirit of God. And you're trying to hide it under cray cray. What drives you crazy? No, I want you to hear me right now. Whatever you talk. David, what, what are we tolerating this for? Why are we tolerating him? These questions you have to ask yourself. What did you tolerate this year? I'm going to tell you what the Holy Spirit told me to tell you. There are things that you tolerated in 2019 that you will never tolerate again. I'm going to say this one more time because it's going to resonate with somebody's spirit as I speak. There are things, there are ideas, there are even relationships, there are even people that you tolerated this year. That you will not tolerate next year. What am I telling you? I'm telling you to get ready. 
because the things that were able to infiltrate this year, the things that were able to do damage this year, the things that were able to rob, kill, and destroy this year, this is the what time? This is the last day. I sense the Holy Ghost as I tell you, this is the last minute. I'm prophesying now. After you receive this word, those things will never be able to occupy space in your life ever again. What you tolerated this year will not be tolerated next year. If you believe that, I'm preaching to someone. You will not tolerate that addiction. You will not tolerate that generational curse. You will not tolerate that lie. You will not tolerate that bitterness. You will not tolerate that sin. You will not tolerate that failure. You will not tolerate defeat. If this is for you, shout like you're not going to tolerate it. I dare you to lift up both hands and say that's all me repeat after me if this is you there are things that took place this year that by the authority of heaven in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit I will not permit I will not tolerate in 2020 it dies right here right now I will never again permit a Goliath to talk down to me, to curse me, to I sense a word right now. There's a word right now. There are even things that showed up this year not only to, 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 to they disrespected you. I hear the Holy Spirit saying disrespect. They, they, the Israelites permitted disrespect. Then David is going, why are you permitting this giant to disrespect us? We are God's children. We're the chosen ones. He's speaking down to us. No, he can't speak down to us. We're God's children. We have more authority than he has. We have more power than he has. We have more resources than he has. And our God is bigger than everything he has. There are things that came your way this year and disrespected you. I'm prophesying to you. This will be the last day. You will be disrespected in the name of Jesus. If you believe. Somebody prays like you're never going to get tolerated. This... If this is for you, lift up your hands. Listen to me. Look at your neighbor. Tell him never again will I tolerate disrespect. No, no, you need to say it like you believe it. Never again will I tolerate disrespect. I know who I am. Say it like you believe it. I know who I am. I said, I know who I am. I know who I am in Jesus. And I know who Jesus is in me. Somebody should be dancing right about now. Somebody should be praising right about now. I dare you to lift up both hands and say, I know who I am. I said, I know who I am. With your hands raised, stand with me. You're already standing. Why are you permitting him to disrespect us? The moment you lose identity, the moment you lose clarity of who you are, the moment you're confused about your definition, about your position in Christ, both vertical and horizontal, your positional authority will be a theological phrase. I know who I am in Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God. 
I'm the apple of his eye. I'm his masterpiece. What the Bible says. I'm the carrier of his glory. I house his spirit. You and I are God's answer to this broken world. I felt the Holy Ghost for you. are standing with me. I, right here, just a few minutes ago, just not, just right here now in this service, not in the other two, just right now, I heard the Holy Spirit just say something strong to me. This has been a year where the, where the enemy came to disrespect you. And if you don't have self-respect, then you tolerate disrespect. You can't respect yourself. Then you permit others to disrespect you. I'm preaching hard right now. Do not permit any Goliath to speak down to you. Do not permit any circumstance, any principality power, or any other person to speak down to you. You're a child of God. Don't let anybody treat you with disrespect. They have to respect who you are in Christ. Do you know who you are talking to, man? Do you know who I am? I'm a child of God. I have more authority in the words that come out of my mouth than all the guns you have in your arsenal. You are what you tolerate. Never again. Let's do this one more time. Raise your hands. Never again will you tolerate disrespect. Never again will you tolerate addiction and bondage, captivity, or lies. Never again will you tolerate the enemy infiltrating your family and stealing your children or your children's children. Or infiltrating your life and stealing your dream and your destiny. Taking away your joy or your peace. Never again. If you come in agreement with this, just raise both hands and say, Heavenly Father, from this moment on, I will never again tolerate, accommodate, give room to, or make room for any vestige of disrespect. From this moment on, I stand in the certainty of who I am in you and who you are in me. This Goliath, it's coming down in the name of Jesus. Now give God the kind of shout that won't go away tomorrow.